welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is doing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Isn't this a happy day? A happy day. Because you had a happy weekend, if you're a Razorback fan at least. As you get the victory, that's right, victory over Colorado State in what could be considered convincing fashion. I don't know if I'll go that far, but anytime that you can win by three touchdowns, I consider that pretty convincing. Final score, 55-34. to 34, The Razorbacks get the victory, and man, oh man, what a victory it was. Now, before I really dive into this, I want everybody to know that I am not starting this podcast or even going to be ending this podcast in any way, shape, or form saying that Arkansas is now back. That it all is making sense now. It's all good to go. There's no worries. There's no stresses. Get ready, Razorback fans. Here comes eight wins. I'm not going to do that. Some of you will. Some of the media will. But I'm not. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. And credit is due to Chad Morris and this team for responding the right way. They may not be back but they have a pulse. And to me, that's what's the most important thing right now for the Razorback football team. It was key, and we talked about this in the podcast last week, how this team had to, and I mean had to show up offensively. You could play a great defensive game, but if you only won 20-13, to similar to what you did against Portland State, people would be happy with the win, but they still wouldn't be satisfied. They wouldn't be hopeful. But this game against Colorado State has sparked some hope because for the first time in the Chad Morris era we finally got to see a little taste a little bit of what this offense is trying to do what they're trying to accomplish and it all started with Nick Starkle as your QB1 the guy is great in fact he threw for 305 yards the first Razorback quarterback to throw for 300 yards in a game since Austin Allen did it in 2016. That's right, it's been since 2016 that you've had a quarterback throw for over 300 yards. He goes 20 of 35, three touchdowns, no picks, a QBR of 78.6. Rakeem Boyd got it going as well, 20 carries, 122 yards, two touchdowns. Devois Whaley averaging nine yards a carry, nine carries for 81 yards, and also had a touchdown. Chase Hayden got into the mix. You had the two freshman phenoms really, really carry the load in the receiving game. Traylon Burks and Trey Knox, both players nearly had 100 yards. Traylon had four, uh, four catches for 92 yards. No touchdowns, but Trey Knox had six catches, 90 yards, one touchdown. And, of course, Cheyenne O'Grady with, was the beast mode play of the game for the Razorbacks, getting – basically trying to be getting tackled by five different defenders there for Colorado State. He gets out of it, scores a touchdown. There's a scoop and score to seal the deal. Everything is exciting. And Razorback fans, just seriously, be excited. Be happy. Don't look for reasons to be negative. Don't look for reasons to look at this team or to look at this season and just say, okay, well, it was only Colorado State. Yes, It was Colorado State. It wasn't an SEC game. But you can still be happy. You can still be excited for this team. And you can still be hopeful for what the rest of the season has. And and I said this last week, and, and people thought I was maybe being too negative. And I don't think I was. But there had to be some feet set to the fire. 
you were in a you were in a serious situation where you were looking at losing this season, losing the fan base, losing it all because your offense was completely and totally incompetent. That that's reality. I didn't make that up. No one did. That offense that we saw in the first two games, especially with Ben Hicks a quarterback, was abysmal. And it was not going to win any games going forward. It wasn't. And the defense was all right, but still it wasn't it wasn't good enough to win you games without the offense scoring points. So you needed the spark. You needed something. Something to get it going. And that's what you got with Nick Starkle. 20 of 35, 305 yards, three touchdowns. If I would have told you that that's what Nick Starkle was going to do last week, you would have either signed up, of course you all would have signed up for it, but you probably would have thought I was crazy. Thinking, man, not, not in his first start. 305 yards, no way. But that's what happened. And now, Razorback football has a little bit of a pulse. I think that the way and the handling of the quarterback situation, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out more and more. But I think that Chad Morris, and for whatever reason, felt that the, the change needed to be made for this game because he recognized that this was an issue, that they needed to get it turned around and turned around quickly. And from all accounts, Starkle did not know the playbook as well, of course, but he knew how to play the position and knew how to be successful at it. He had a great arm. He had a great leadership, great confidence, great swagger. And it showed not only in this game and not only for him himself, but for the players around him. And so now that you have him at quarterback and now that it's opened up the offense a little bit with guys like the running backs, the three running backs, the wide receivers now feel a lot more comfortable and confident. Cheyenne O'Grady's playing his game. With all of these things going on, now it doesn't seem just completely and totally impossible that you can still make a bowl game. And this is what I was hoping for. And this is why I didn't, I didn't bury them last week. They weren't buried. It was just do or die right now. Well, they did. They didn't die. They did. And now you're looking at to where if this offense can stay healthy, if Nick Starkle can still play and perform it the way he did against Colorado State and in the second half against Ole Miss, and if they can just really get a lot more confidence from a game like this, which I think is also very important. Maybe we don't talk about it enough. But say they get that confidence and they head into San Jose State this weekend and get a victory – and then you're 3-1 and one heading into Texas A&M, which that game's going to be at 11 a.m. in Jerry World next Saturday. You have confidence. You have swagger. Not saying you'll win, but you got hope. And that was what this game was all about. It wasn't about making a bowl game or making a statement. It's not a statement game. It's not a program-changing game. But what it is, it is a game that provides hope. And hope can be the best thing for anybody, for any fan, in any program, any sport, any league. Hope is what people cling to. Even when the chips are down, things aren't great, if you still have some sort of hope to grab onto, it's worth watching, it's worth fighting for, and it's worth believing in. Now you have that after this game against Colorado State. And if you are still cautiously optimistic, that's fine. I don't blame you. I don't expect you to go all in just thinking that now the world's just beautiful. You're going to go in and win all these SEC games. That would be a little over-optimistic. But my whole point in this, folks, is that since you have now hope, which this is, you have hope after this game, hold on to that. 
don't find reasons to hate on this team. Don't find reasons to hate on Chad Morris. Enjoy the win. You haven't had many the past few years. And you really haven't had many that you were excited and entertained by the game. You haven't had that many at all. So just enjoy it and be hopeful. Because if this thing can continue to build, and if everybody can stay healthy, which is going to be the key, those things alone is what's going to provide you reasons to be hopeful and Chad Morris in the 2019 Razorbacks. But you know, you know what I'm hopeful in? I'm hopeful in the fact that when I go to a sporting event or a concert or anything like that, I'm hopeful that I can get good seats at a reasonable price. And the reason I'm hopeful is because I use Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing all of you live entertainment and experiences that last a lifetime at a very affordable price. You can watch your favorite teams, your favorite artists, your favorite concerts, whatever it is, and it can all be done through the Vivid Seats app. And when you sign up with Vivid Seats through the app, you become enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And that's what's great about it, is that the more you buy, the more you get, the more discounts you have, and the more credit you get to future purchases. For all of these deals, and for how much you use it, you can earn up to 10% up and up to 16%, 10 to 16% up credit for all your purchases through the app for the month of August. So just go to your Apple store or go to Google Play, wherever you get your apps, and download the Vivid Seats app and you're automatically enrolled. You go in there, and here's the best deal. You go in there, you want to go to the game this weekend, get you a ticket, enter this promo code, kickoff. Simple, all one word, kickoff, at checkout, and you receive a discount of up to $100 on your next purchase when you download the Vivid Seats app. So again, go to the Vivid Seats app on Apple's iTunes or on Google Play, enter in the promo code kickoff, and you get a discount of up to $100 on your next purchase. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Uh, You know, this is something that, you know, when you have a game like Arkansas had and there's excitement and everyone's pumped up about the future, uh, you know, you always want to hear about, you know, what's what's actually going on and what to look forward to. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a weatherman, even though I guess maybe I am a weatherman predicting because weathermen don't predict, predict very well. But I always like to give my outlook and my forecast of what the rest of the season could hold for Arkansas after a win like this. And I am going to do this under the assumption that this offense is going to be improved as games go on, that the defense is going to get settled in, that there's going to be no more major injuries, which they've had to battle through, and luckily Bumper Pool's not going to be out for an extended period of time, which is great news. So this is all under those assumptions. But now that Arkansas is a quarter of the way through the season, which is amazing when you think about that, folks, they're 2-1, and one, and they have San Jose State up next. That should be a win. It should be a win, no doubt. And if Arkansas can win that game convincingly and even hold San Jose State to a very small amount of points, I mean, something like, I don't know, final score 45 to 20, 45-17, something to that extent, that's really going to get people piped up and excited. And that's exactly what you're going to need from this team and their performance to show, okay, you, you had your game against Colorado State. It came together. You got the victory. You responded well. Now go out and do something with it. Go out and figure things out consistently. Not just in one game, but in multiple games. 
Go out and be confident against whoever you're going to be facing in the SEC. If it's Texas A&M, be confident. If it's Kentucky, be confident. Even if it's Alabama, be confident. Probably not going to win, but be confident. Believe you can win. And that's what wins can do. And small wins, especially ones like Colorado State, since you haven't had one in so long, it can kind of turn everything around for you and make the difference. So my whole point, and, and fans, if you're trying to figure out ways and reasons to be excited about the rest of the season, just know that you now have a forecast of a schedule that's relatively easy. It's not the easiest that you'll ever that other teams may have, but for playing in the SEC West, it's hard to get a schedule that's any easier. My only fear about it all is that at the end of the season, we're going to look back at that Ole Miss Arkansas game and be like, man. If only that game was played just a few weeks later instead of that early time in the season when Ben Hicks was quarterback, it would be a completely different team. Uh, that's, I have a feeling that's probably what we're going to be looking like at that time. But my point is, is even besides Ole Miss, um, you have A&M coming up, which is going to be a tough team, but A&M, the only team they've really been tested against was Clemson. And offensively, they did not look good. But again, it's Clemson, the number one team in the country. So can't really take that into consideration. But Texas A&M, for whatever reason, when they go to Arlington, they do not play well. They're not motivated for that game. They usually lay an egg. It's usually got to be Arkansas that's got to take advantage of it at some point in time. And you know that's going to be some motivation for old Nick Starkle and Rakeem Boyd going up against them as well. They're going to want that game, and they're going to want it badly. So you have that, and then you have Kentucky coming up next after that. And Kentucky lost their stud quarterback for the rest of the season. Now, it's going to be an emotional night with Jared Lorenzen night being that night. So, you know, that may factor into it as well. But Kentucky is a very winnable game. It's not going to be your easiest, but it's winnable. And then you go the rest of the way and you have teams like Auburn who play them at home. If it's a crowd that's really lit and excited, and even if it's a night game, I don't think there'll be any issue there as far as the atmosphere. Who knows? Maybe you'll finally be able to break that 75,000 mark if Arkansas's won a game or two in SEC play by that point. You have Alabama. You're not going to win that one. You're not going to win LSU either. But Mississippi State, yeah, I mean, they, they looked like crap against Kansas State. You could win that one. You could beat Missouri and Western Kentucky. And this is, again, all on the assumption that what we saw against Colorado State continues to build. You're a good enough team for that. You have a good enough quarterback for that, and you have enough talent for that. you got to execute. And the fact of the matter that Arkansas blew a lead in the game against Colorado State and came back and still won, something that we haven't seen from this team in quite some time, that's also extremely confidence and ego boosting. So the smallest of things can make the difference for the rest of the year. But again, given the circumstances and how everything's looked, I don't see any reason why this team still can make it to six wins. Not saying it'll happen, but four more wins? Four more? Considering that this week and then Western Kentucky should be a given, that's two right there, should be easy ones. Can you beat two SEC teams? I don't think it's impossible. Not saying it'll happen, but it's not impossible, especially with the product that we saw there Saturday against Colorado State. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 
All right, final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Uh, this is something that uh, has nothing to really do with the Razorbacks, but it's obviously made the rounds in social media and went viral. It actually went viral, I believe, last Friday. So haven't had really a chance to react to it here on the podcast. But it was really about Tim Tebow and the comments that he made on ESPN First Take that was talking about his time at Florida because of this new rule that was passed by California government saying that now uh, college athletes in that state, or it's legal to make money off your likeness and off your branding. Now, that doesn't mean it's it's okay by the NCAA standards, but in the state it is. And, and everyone's, of course, just loving this because for some reason college athletes are victims, according to everybody. Okay, that's fine. But Tim Tebow came out and said that, you know, he had one of the best-selling jerseys when he was in college, and he didn't really want a dime for that. He didn't, he didn't care about that because he knew what it was like going into it. And he was okay not making money on it and because he knew what the process was like. He knew it, and he signed up for it anyway because it was all about the university. It was about his team, and he didn't care about making the money. And he was a self, and talking about the selfish society that we live in. And, of course, everybody's just freaking out and saying how, how wrong Tebow is and how right it is to make sure that college athletes get paid because, again, they're victims. Listen, this is, this is going to be an argument, folks, that's never going to have a right answer. It's never going to have a right answer. You're never going to have people come to an agreement on this. And here's why, at least from my perspective on here's why. College athletes, at least big-time college athletes, because that's what we're talking about, football players, essentially, they don't know what it was like to be a common student at a college, at a university. They don't know what it was like. And common college students don't know what it's like to be a D1 athlete big-time athletes in college football. They don't. And for someone like me, who was just a common student, had stu- have student loans, had to work while I was in college, go full-time college, work about 25, 30 hours a week, and make my way that way, someone like me, I don't really have sympathy for them. Because they have everything handed to them that I didn't, and I would have done anything to have that. To where, if I'm good at throwing a ball or catching a ball or running, if I'm athletic enough... I have my entire room and board and food and, and everything paid for, and I get a stipend, I, I get worshipped, I get an entire academic center dedicated to me, my private tutoring, all of that, just because I'm really good at a sport. And as a college kid that I was, I would have done anything for that. I would have absolutely signed up that, for that for free. Oh, and I mean free, obviously, for not making the money from the NCAA. It wouldn't have mattered to me. But the problem is, is that we see the amount of money the NCAA is using and, and making, for college football especially, and they see that those high numbers and how much these schools are making. I mean, Arkansas, for instance, gets a 40-plus million dollar check from the SEC network alone. And they see that as like, we want a cut of that because we're putting the product on the field. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But you're also, that money is not being put into some, it's not like 100-year checks just pocketing the money or the administration's just, uh, you know, divvying it out for Christmas bonuses. That's not what it's going to. It's going back into the football program. It's going back into the facilities that you're enjoying, the locker rooms that you're having club dub in. It's all going back to that. And again, you're never going to agree to this because neither one has been in those shoes. I'm sure as a, if I was a big-time D1 athlete, I would probably feel the same way that many of them do that think that they deserve to be paid because of what they had to go through. But until you walk into the shoes of a regular college student, 
that just because you're not as good at sports or you're not as big of an athlete as a football player is and just because you don't get all the the great grandiose benefits that they do, you still have to pay your own way. You still have to make your own right, and you still have to work just as hard. But everybody just sees this as some sort of victimhood where the poor college athletes, they're starving. They don't know what they – and, yes, they all come from different economic backgrounds too. I get it. Some players come in and they don't even have to worry about their parents going hungry or anything like that, but some kids do, and I get it. I really do. But you can't just justify it by uh, putting an antidotal example of saying, well, this this one particular kid has a family at home that's not doing so well, so therefore they need to have the money. Because then the college, the whole aspect of college and amateur sports goes out the window and they become professionals. And when they become professionals, they will be treated like professionals. They will be cut like professionals. They will be ridiculed and criticized like professionals. They will no longer be kids. They'll be an adults. And it just is going to open up this whole issue. And, and the issues that will, people say that oh, it's not going to be that big of a deal or what's the problem in paying them, just watch. College athletics and, and schools and fans, they will diminish and diminish hard. And that was one of the things that Tim Tebow brought up. Why do you think football stadiums and college football are so much bigger, so much nicer? Why do you think the fan bases are so much bigger? Why do you think there's more schools and more big-time college football programs that care about their schools more so than NFL teams in general? Why is that? It's because of the passion for college sports, because it's not professional. People play it because they love it, not because they're just getting paid. That's not what college football needs to be about. And I understand that a lot of people don't agree with me, and that's fine. I'm approaching it from my perspective of being a college, common college kid. To me, they look like they get whatever they want at the University of Arkansas. Not to mention all the other smaller schools or smaller sports at schools that don't have athletes that are going to make money. Should the football players just be the only ones that make money? Why not the soccer team or the track team? They work just as hard. They train just as hard. But they don't bring in the money. Oh, okay, so it's just about a football player because you get the money. Hmm, okay. See how that goes with the Title IX issues, folks. Guarantee you it won't end well. I'm off my soapbox now. I'm sure a lot of you will disagree with me, and that's fine. Because we're never going to have an agreement on the whole thing. It's going to be a constant controversy from beginning to end. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. Also, get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 